Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Have you ever heard the old saying, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed? Most of us would probably agree that sounds about right, and yet research shows that 50% Americans say they have less than three friends they feel like they can call on when needed. Maybe you can relate. So what do we do about that? How do we find meaningful connection, and how does God factor in all of this? The Bible says we're made for connection, but we often don't know where to start to find it. Let's explore that and more together in our current series, Connected, and continue the Upward Journey. How's everybody today? Doing well. Glad to be here. Are you glad to be here? If you're not, what are you doing here? So good to see y'all. Love you so much. Just have such a good time being around you guys. Man, the world out there sometimes gets kind of discouraging, doesn't it? Everybody's talking about how the sky's falling, how bad everything is. But when I get around you guys, I remember maybe the sky's falling for some people, but in here we know and out there we know Jesus Christ is still alive and well and still in charge and still moving in his world today. We have tremendous hope, don't we, today? Tremendous hope in Jesus Christ. Well, we're glad you joined us today. We're going to continue to go through this series. I think this is the third message in the series called Connected. And we're going to learn today how you and I need to be connected. Now, a few years ago, my wife and I discovered a marvelous new invention that we had never seen before. You know, they make some cool stuff these days. Do you know now they have a microwave that you can actually hang up under the counter? Did y'all know that? <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Been around a long time, preacher. Yeah, well, we discovered it. We, we went in the uh, home improvement store and saw, hey, cool, we got this microwave that sits on the counter. You can buy one and hang it up under the counter, up under the cabinets, and free up all this counter space. So my wife said, uh, I want one of those, which translate into get one of those and put it up. Amen? So I bought one and uh, decided I would put it up. So we got this big under-the-counter microwave. It was heavier than the normal microwave. It was pretty heavy, and I got this big, heavy box. I could barely carry it into the house by myself. And I got it in the kitchen, and I set it down, and Alexa uh, was going out for the day. Boy, how convenient that was. She was going out for the day. Man, I'm, I'm just not winning anything this morning already, but... Uh, um, she was going out for the day, and the kids had some friends over, so I had this big microwave box out in the middle of the kitchen, and I thought, man, I'm going to just make a day of this and hang this microwave, and when she gets home, she's going to see this new microwave hanging here, and she's going to be so happy and so proud and so wonderful, and that makes for a very happy life. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, I uh, opened it, and I, it was a big box, and I opened the top of the box, and, and when I opened it up, there's a big sheet of paper on the top that you cannot miss. It's on top of the microwave. It is designed so that people like me can see it. Right on top of it, the only thing on it in huge letters said this, do not attempt this alone. <laughs> Whoever wrote that does not understand my brain. And I'll have to say, I think Whoever wrote that doesn't get something about the male psyche. Amen, guys? 
Because when I saw that, two words immediately came to mind. Game on. I literally, if I had even had a thought of calling somebody for help, after I saw that paper, I'm like, no, nah, I'm hanging this thing by myself. I'm going to show them. And I don't even know who, who them is. But I'm going to show them that I can do this by myself. Why is that? Why is it? What is it in me that doesn't like to ask for help? In the days prior to GPS, I'd rather die than pull over and ask for directions. I'd just rather be lost. Is that just me or are there others here? Please, ladies, do not punch your husbands right now. Do not, we do not approve of violence. Do not punch your husbands. I'd rather die. I'd rather just stay lost as to ask for help. What is that? You know, I do and you do, whether you're a guy or a lady, whoever you are, you probably struggle with this. You got a little voice inside. And oftentimes that little voice in your head is not your friend, it's your enemy. And that little voice in your head says, you should be able to do this by yourself. If you were a real man, you could hang this microwave. I know it's funny, but can we just be honest? Do y'all hear those little voices from time to time telling you, you should be able to do this? You ought to be better. You shouldn't have to ask for help. I mean, all kinds of things. I have learned this. This is a huge lesson I've learned in life is when I believe the enemy's lies, anytime I believe a lie from the enemy, I give him authority in my life. If I believe those lies he whispers in my mind and in my heart, I give him authority in my life. So somewhere I'm listening to this voice that says, you should be able to do this alone. Whoever put that there was very wise. I think, matter of fact, if there were an instruction book for life, that ought to be just inside the front cover. It should say, as soon as somebody's able to read, we should hand them a book, and the first thing they ought to say, one of the first things is, do not attempt to do your life alone. Amen. Got a surprise for you. There is an instruction manual. You probably got it with you this morning. It's called the Bible. And in the second chapter of that instruction manual, God himself says, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good to try to do life by yourself. That is a declaration of God in Genesis chapter 2. Not good. We all struggle with it. I don't want to be sexist this morning, but I think men struggle with it even more than women do. I find this to be the case, that as men, guys, I'm not trying to beat you up, I'm one of you today, and we're just working through this together, but we're kind of notorious for refusing to ask for help. It's been my experience that in my 30 years of pastoral ministry that women tend to reach out for help sooner and guys often struggle with things in secret and don't talk about it until it's blowing up their life. What do we do with this? Men, women, 
What do we do with this? Well, we turn to the Scriptures. And in the Scriptures, there's one of the most powerful, mighty men who ever lived. His name was David. He was the greatest king in Israel's history. I mean, this guy was something else. Hear me on David. Before he was King David, he was Teenager David. And Teenager David had a job given to him by his dad to watch the family's sheep. Now, that may seem like a non-glamorous job, but let me tell you, this guy did some pretty impressive work as the shepherd. When he was a young teenager, a bear jumped out of the woods and attacked his sheep. And he didn't have a Colt 45. He didn't have a 12-gauge pump shotgun. I got one of those under my bed. I don't know why I said that, but just (laughs) look out. If you need to know that, be aware. (laughs) David didn't have any of that stuff. He had a slingshot. I'd have a hard time hitting anything with a sling. That's all the boy had was a slingshot. But yet, when a bear jumped out of the woods at him, he killed that bear with a slingshot. I met a bear in the woods about a month ago, my wife and I. Let me just tell you, if that bear had come after me, I'd have been dead. Except for Jesus would have had to come down and stop it. If I'd had a slingshot, I'd still be dead. (laughs) But David killed a bear with a slingshot when he was a young boy. Later on, it gets even worse. A lion comes out after his sheep. He kills a lion with the same slingshot. Incredible guy from, from from a youth, as a teenager. Later on, this David goes to take his soldier brothers some food. And as he goes to take them some food, there is a giant, an enemy giant, that is taunting and mocking the armies of Israel, saying, send out your best man to fight me, and nobody will step out to fight this giant named Goliath. And David has already killed a bear and a lion. Let me just tell you something. If you've killed a few big things in your life, God's preparing you to deal with something bigger. If you've overcome a few obstacles already, God is preparing you to face an even bigger giant and win a bigger victory. That's what he did for David. David knew he'd been against a bear and a lion and he had nothing to fear from that giant because God was with him. And he stood out boldly and he killed Goliath, a teenage boy, against a huge giant and won a great victory for Israel in that day. David was a mighty warrior. Yet David had some pretty unbelievable weaknesses. He had some great strengths and some great weaknesses. David actually had an affair with one of his general's wives. And to try to cover up her pregnancy, he had the man killed. David had some terrible weaknesses. This is one of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible does not attempt to sanitize the weaknesses and the failures of its greatest heroes. If you're here and you've got some great struggles in your life, God does not just gloss over that. He looks at you and knows you for who you are and loves you anyway and brings His grace into your life to help you overcome those things. And that's why the stories in the Bible are pictured so realistically. If we never saw the weaknesses, we'd be saying, Oh, sure, he was perfect and I'm not. 
but you have an incredibly powerful and an incredibly flawed man in King David who for the most part ended his life well and God could say about him when it was all over, he is a man after my own heart. How did David finish well with all the strengths and all the weaknesses he had? We're going to look at 1 Chronicles 11 and verse 10 today and another verse. I'm not going to have you stand today because I'm going to be jumping into several verses and I don't want you jumping up and down all day long to read with me, okay? 1 Chronicles 11:10 says this, These are the leaders of David's mighty warriors. What's the next word? That's all you need to know. That's the message today. Go ahead and pack up your purse. It's time to go. No. This is what you need to know. David, mighty warriors, together. Anybody seeing anything happening here? David had mighty warriors, and they did life together. They fought together. What is the key to David's victory? I want to give you the first point today, and I want you to understand this. David was able to do this. David was able to be successful because David had a band of brothers. I love that term. It's a military story in a movie, but a powerful story if you ever get a chance to read it or watch it. But David had a band of brothers around him who stood for him and with him when he could not make it by himself. A band of brothers. We need a band of brothers in our lives. In the scriptures, they're called David's mighty men. He had 30 of these. And I mean, there was some big, bad, tough characters in David's circle. He had a man named Josheb who killed 800 men with a sword in one battle. Think that guy's pretty good with a sword? He had a man named, one of his mighty men named Eleazar who fought so long in one battle against the Philistines that the Bible said his hand stuck to the sword. His hand was stuck on the sword. They had to pry his fingers to get his sword out of his hand. That's one tough dude. Another guy named Beniah. Oh, this guy, I don't get this. Beniah, the scripture said, chased a lion down into a pit on a snowy day and killed it. Boy, there's a whole lot wrong with that story. <laughs> Chase a lion into a pit and it's snowing? I expect to say, see with one hand tied behind his back. <laughs> Unbelievable. David had this caliber of brothers and sisters around him. Guys, you need a band of brothers in your life. Ladies, you need a band of sisters in your life. Well, I've got my husband, I've got my wife. You need more than that. You know, guys, sometimes you need to talk to another guy. As much as you love your wife and as much as she loves you and as strong a relationship you have, there's some things another guy can really understand. Ladies, you need to talk to another lady sometimes. You've got to have those people around you. As I look at the lives of King David and his predecessor, King Saul, Saul was a miserable failure. The first king of Israel was Saul and Man, he started off with a bang. First of all, he was head and shoulders taller than anybody else. He was good looking. 
I think everybody just looked at Saul and said, man, he looks like a king. Let's make him king. But God actually chose him. God gifted him to lead. Yet Saul's life ended in, in miserable failure with his sons dying, and Saul eventually just essentially committed suicide on the battlefield so his enemies couldn't kill him. Cut his head off and hung it up as a mark of shame for Israel. What's the difference between Saul and David? There are a lot of differences, but I can tell you one powerful difference. When I think about the life of David, I think of a man named Nathan who was David's friend. I think of a man named Jonathan who was David's friend. Think of a guy named Joab, who for the most part was David's friend. I could go on and on and just off the top of my head list again and again, David's friends. But when I think of Saul, he didn't have that. He had no band of brothers. I can't think of a friend. So many people's lives end in failure for lack of friends, for lack of of human connections. So David started off with a bang and built an army of friends in his life to carry him. Now let's fast forward several, several years. And I love this about King David. In 2 Samuel 21, we go way forward. We get to see the whole of David's life from his start off as a young teenager till his death. In 2 Samuel 21, David is now in his 60s. How many of us here today are in our 60s? Can I see your hand if you're in your 60s? Raise your hand up high. I'm not there yet, but uh, in your 60s. Let me tell you something about King David. In his 60s, he was as tough as he was when he was a teenager. Let's just put it this way. Inside, he was as tough as he was as a teenager. I love that. I hadn't intended to say this, but can I tell you, keep the heart of a young person keep learning, keep growing, keep trying new things. Maybe a little slower new things, and, but keep new experiences in your life. I feel led to just throw this in. When you decide you're old, you're old. If you just decide I'm going to settle down and be old, you will. David never did that. He's in his 60s in 2 Samuel 21, 15, and I, I love what it says. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men, again, David and his men were in the thick of battle. First of all, David's in his 60s now, and he's still in the thick of battle. He's still fighting. He's still got a sword. I don't know if he kept that slingshot, but I like to think once in a while he took that slingshot out again. But he's 60, and he's still fighting. But understand, David and his men, his band of brothers went into battle with him in his 60s. David kept fighting. But understand this. David had limitations. It says this. Go back to the verse, if you would. In the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Even though he's still one bad dude, even though he's still young at heart, even though he's still fighting the fight, a time came in his life when he was just weak 
and exhausted. Understand something, my friend. No matter how tough you think you are today, no matter how strong you are, no matter how many giants you faced, the day will come in your life when you feel like you've just run out of gas and you can't do this anymore. If you haven't faced that day, you will face that day. And what's critical to your victory in that day is that you build a band of brothers and sisters in your life today to be ready for that day. Don't go looking for friends when you're in a storm. You ever been in a storm? I was out at Cape Hatteras one time. I'm throwing this in for free. We used to go fishing every summer and every fall in the sound out at Cape Hatteras. Darlene knows where that's at. We'd get out on the sound and you'd stay in between the markers to make sure you were safe. Hatteras in that area is called the graveyard of the Atlantic because it's easy to hit a sandbar and wreck your boat. So when you get out in that sound, which is, oh, the Outer Banks of North Carolina, is one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth. If you've never been there, go. There's nothing out there, and that's why it's so beautiful. Anyway, that's all free. When I go over five minutes, this is why. you got to stay in between the markers, and there's orange or red ones and green ones. And you got to stay in between the orange and the green, because that keeps you in the channel. We'd go out on calm days, and I thought, I don't... We went out there so much out into the sound, I could get out there blindfolded. I didn't need those buoys. Till one day we were out there and we started catching fish and the weather was getting bad. One of the most dangerous things that can happen in your life is when you're out fishing and you know the weather's getting bad and right then you start catching fish. It's the trap of the devil. (laughs) And we're catching fish and we don't want to leave. And the weather keeps getting worse. Finally, we're like, hey, if we stay out here any longer, we're idiots. Maybe we already are. I know that's a rude word. I'm sorry. But we headed in. We got caught in a storm. Now, understand me. Those markers, there's a reason they're neon. There's a reason they're so bright. And there's a reason they're so prominent. Because when you're in a storm, if you don't have those, you're in deep trouble never realized the value of those markers until I was in a storm but hear me those markers weren't placed in a storm they were placed there in a calm time that's when you've got to build your band of brothers and sisters when things are calm because one day you're going to run out of gas And you're going to have to have those people in your life. David had a band of brothers. David had limitations. Understand this, David had enemies. 2 Samuel 21, 16 says, Ishbi Banab was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. His enemy had gotten David alone and was about to kill him in a corner. You ever watch the Nature Channel? I'm going somewhere with this. I know that was a hard left turn, but uh, 
You ever watch the Nature Channel? Nature Channel is a master manipulating your emotions. They'll play this sweet, calm music, and it's like, and the baby gazelles are born. And the beautiful baby gazelle named Louie is born. And isn't Louie so cute? And Louie's with his mother. And it is so beautiful. Bam! A lion! And he bites Louie's head off. I'm like, who does this? (laughs) They're evil. Even I cry. Gotta get counseling to get over my nature show. <laughs> Got enough trauma in my life. You know what happens though? A predator, you watch the nature channel for this lesson. Brace yourself, but watch it. A predator will try to get the weak one off by itself to destroy it. Is it any wonder that one of the symptoms of depression is the desire to isolate yourself? Could it be that depression is not only a physical thing, but there is a spiritual element to it many times that the enemy is involved in trying to pull you away from your band and wreck you? Isolation can be deadly. David was off in a corner and he was trapped. And I want to give you the good news and I'm going to wind this thing up. David had limitations. David had enemies. But David had friends. Verse 17 says this. I love it. One of his mighty men, Abishai. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. I love that verse. I said I love that verse. Are you with me this morning? David's about to die. He's weak and exhausted. He's run out of gas. He's alone. He's in a corner. And one of his mighty men steps up and saves his life and destroys his enemy. David had friends. The day will come, no matter how many giants you have slain, no matter how many victories you've won, the day will come when you are dependent on your band of brothers or sisters to come in and save your life. Build them in your life now. I'm going to give you three encouraging words of instruction and encouragement, then I'm going to quit. Number one, choose your friends. Be intentional with the people you associate with. I'll give you a good word. You don't have to do life with everybody who drifts into your life. Just because a person shows up and starts hanging out with you does not mean they're your friend. Some people live that way. They're just living their life and whoever drifts in can just stay. Aren't we supposed to love everybody? Remember, ministry is one thing, fellowship is another. Not everybody that drifts into my life is going to fellowship with me. I'll do anything I can for them, but I'm not taking what they have on to me. Be intentional with who you hang out with. Choose your friends. 
Don't default to anybody. Be selective. Secondly, lean on your friends. Lean on them. Talk to them. Guys, can I be honest? Has anyone ever told you you need to talk to somebody? Can I just be honest? That is one of my least favorite things for my wife to say. And I have a wonderful wife. I'm digging myself out of the hole I created a while ago. I have a wonderful wife, and I mean that sincerely. Occasionally, she'll come around and say, you need to talk to somebody. Like, no, no, no. No, I don't. I'm okay. I'm okay. You need to get some counseling. Because something's going on inside of you and you need to work on it. You need to talk to somebody. Can't I just talk to you? No, you need to talk to somebody. Man, it's such a hard lesson to learn. Can I just tell you, I hope that God is using today to confirm to some of you who've already been hearing this that you do need to talk to somebody. I know how it stinks to hear that and I'm sorry to be the bearer of that news if it hurts but you do I tell our staff all the time I sit down and talk with the guys on the staff about keeping relationships pure keeping their hearts and minds pure we talk about that around here a lot because messing up in that area can wreck a life and a church so we address that area, that area head on with everybody here on staff and in ministry. Here's what I've said to them. I've said, listen, guys, come and talk to me when you're at a level two problem, not a level 10. This is what I've said to the guys, and you'll just know what goes on behind the scenes here at Upward. I say, if you get on the computer or your phone and you look at something you shouldn't look at, y'all look so shocked at me. Like, <gasps> What? Well, statistics, statistics tell us that many people in this room are doing that right now. Maybe not right now. Hopefully not right now, but uh, <laughs> please. Hopefully not right now, but <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm trying to be serious here. Many people in this room struggle with that very thing. Looking at something you shouldn't could be a level two. Sleeping with somebody you shouldn't is at least a level nine. I tell our guys, if you look at something you shouldn't, come tell me soon. And you're not going to get fired. I'm not like one strike you're out. But we're going to be best buds for several months. And we're going to walk through this together and walk out of this together and get you back to a healthy place. Don't wait until your life is blowing up to talk to somebody. Amen? Because the longer you wait, the worse the damage can be. Choose your friends, lean on your friends, and ultimately the last one that hurts a lot to say, lay down your pride.
Sometimes that's the thing that's keeping us from getting help. We just don't want to admit we need it. Now, how can I find these friends? Well, I'm glad you ask. <laughs> you need to be like, oh God, he's starting again. Here he goes. If you were here last week, I said, I think twice, you need to be in a connect group. Am I fudging a little bit on that? I've had so much fun this week. People have come up to me in the grocery store and said, I'm in a connect group. Stop. Connect group leaders were actually getting new members in their group during the services last week. During, yes. Our groups have grown so much. One of our Mills River groups, we've already had to stop taking new people because it's full. If you're in Mills River, hurry up and get in a group. We're going to make some more. There are groups everywhere you can jump in. I asked the guys to tell me some of the men's groups. There's a father's group that joins in prayer every other Tuesday morning. It's a group of fathers that pray together and pray for their children. They meet at 7 a.m. every other Tuesday morning before work. There's a men's breakfast that meets the first Saturday of the month. They have uh, biscuits and gravy from heaven. There's a new group that I didn't know about that I love. It's called G3. That G's, you want to know what the G's are? You're going to find out anyway. Uh, God, Gears, and Grub. They love cars, they go eat, and they share fellowship of the Lord. There's a group that plays basketball that meets Saturdays to play basketball together. There's a group that's forming that I'm really excited about of older businessmen, youngering, mentoring younger businessmen. Thought that was so exciting. The women's groups, there are too many to list. There are more women's Bible studies. I tell you, I can't come into the office without passing a women's Bible study anymore. The women's group meets Monday mornings. There's a group that meets Tuesday nights. There's a lunch group that meets every second Wednesday. There's a Bible study on Thursday mornings. They're all over the place. You need a band of brothers or a band of sisters. You can find those. Pastor Luke's here all the time. He's ready to help you and help you understand the groups. You can sign up at the table back there. You can get information at any of these places. You can go online, ucf.cc, click there, and search for the group you're looking for. But you need to be connected. One of the most powerful stories that I've ever heard out of World War II was a story of two friends, Phil and John. Phil and John grew up on the same street together. They were like brothers. They were neighbors, but they were friends and they were brothers. They played high school sports together, went through high school. World War II came upon this world and they enlisted together. They were actually put in the same unit together. And they fought together. And they were brothers. And they had an understanding between them that they would always be there for each other. There was a very heated battle one day, and John came back and didn't see Phil. And it was a battlefield just covered with smoke, and he, he yelled to his commander, I'm going back for Phil, and his commander told him to stop. He said, we'll have to do that later. It's too dangerous for you right now. Stay here. And John said, I'm going. And he jumped into the smoke and literally went through a hail of bullets back onto that battlefield with his sergeant screaming at him. A few minutes later, he came out. He was carrying Phil's lifeless body. 
came out through the smoke and just carried his body and laid it down. And his sergeant said, you disobeyed orders, you could have been killed. And John looked up at his sergeant and he said, it was absolutely worth it. He said, when I got to him, he was still alive. And as I held him in my arms before he died, he said these words to me. I knew you'd come. You know something? I've got people in my life that I know will come when I need them. I do. We've learned that over the past few weeks. When we needed y'all, you came running. If you don't have those people in your life, all in this community right here that you're in right now, there are men and women and people like you who would love to be that in your life. you got to take a step. You've got to take the initiative. You've got to be willing to lay down your pride and take a risk and step out and make a connection. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you in this place for men and women who can look back at the life of one of your servants, David, with all his strengths and weaknesses and have this key critical takeaway that David made it through his life because of the people he surrounded himself with. And may we today make the step, take the initiative to get out and build relationships with people. To not just attend a church on a Sunday, but to actually relationally connect within the family. And I pray you'll bring that to pass in a mighty way all throughout this church and this community. And I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Good. It's so good to be a part of a church that's generous and making an impact in our community. Aren't you glad? Love y'all so much. Glad to be here. Our next series starts uh, in two weeks, and it's going to be called Thy Kingdom Come. And we're talking about how to live in such a way in the kingdom of God that that kingdom is actually manifest in our earth. Aren't you excited? You're part of a kingdom. We're here, citizens of another kingdom. Manifest that kingdom down here in victory. All right. One of the verses I've been studying that I'll bring to you as part of this, I do believe, is in, in the book of John chapter 14. And Jesus said this. He said, the ruler of this world is come. And he's talking about the devil. He's talking about the devil who'd been given authority in this world. He said, the ruler of this world is come. And this is what he said. He said, and he has no claim on me. Oh, and I love that so much. That's what I want to bless you with today. Would you lift your hands? Lord, today in Jesus' name, I'm thankful that when the former ruler of this world comes, who has already been defeated at the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, when that one who tried to usurp power and authority and rule comes to our lives, may he have no claim in any of us. May every piece of ground, every lie, every inch we've given him be taken back in the name of Jesus so no claim can be laid on us from evil. I bless your people with that today. No claim of the enemy is valid against you today. Amen and amen. Now go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Make Jesus known. Love you all so much. Thanks for being here today. See you again next week. 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.